Reading this morning from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, and starting at verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he won't listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything that you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he wasn't able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is the Gospel of Christ. Uh, my name is Joel and it's great to be opening up God's Word with you this morning. And if you haven't been with us, we've been uh, working our way through Matthew's Gospel. And we're in a section where Jesus has been teaching his disciples about what it looks like to be one of his followers. Uh, and in today's passage, Jesus specifically uh, addresses the Christian community. Uh, I've got the, the hard passage this morning. Uh, and then next week, Jay's going to be preaching uh, the following passage, which is on divorce, uh, which should be straightforward. I, I broke up the passages, uh, and I haven't really looked after them, have I? Uh, but anyway, let's, uh, let's start uh, this time together uh, by praying and asking for God's help uh, as we look at these challenging words. Uh, Heavenly Father, many of us will know uh, that these words are incredibly difficult. Uh, so we ask for your help. Uh, that we might hear them, 
uh, and that we might grow as your disciples, as, as your people as a result. Uh, make us more Christ-like. In his name we pray. Amen. How do you respond when another Christian sins against you? How do you respond? Uh, it's the question that uh, is at the heart of the passage this morning. Uh, and I'm not sure how you'd answer that question. I, I suspect there'd be a, a whole range of answers out there. Some of us might respond in ways that we'd be happy to share. At other times, we might respond in ways that we'd probably be very embarrassed uh, if others knew about it. Jesus has some, um, some pretty clear thoughts on how he thinks we should respond when a, a Christian brother or sister sins against us. And we're given these two slightly different scenarios. And both of them are going to help us to relate to one another uh, in the way that God intends us to. And I think that's Jesus' goal here. He wants his disciples to actually disciple each other. Uh, but both of the scenarios are also incredibly difficult. And the reason they're so hard is because they cut against the grain of how we tend to operate as a society. If people are wrong these days, how might they respond? Cut the person out of their lives or get some sort of revenge, maybe online? Tell others about how they've been wronged by this individual uh, before even speaking to the person about it? Talk badly about them behind their back? Uh, And the list could go on and on. Now, unfortunately, some of us here this morning will have experienced uh, that kind of thing. Or maybe we've done that kind of thing. But Jesus gives us some alternative options this morning. And the reason can be traced back to the end of the passage uh, that we looked at last week. Last week, in in the verses right before these ones, we looked at the parable of the lost sheep. And Jay helpfully reminded us that because God loves each of his children... Uh, And he doesn't wish for any of us to be lost. Uh, And that's really the driving force behind Jesus' words. How we respond when a Christian brother or sister sins against us is a matter of eternal significance. Sin can be so destructive, uh, and that's why our response matters. Jesus doesn't want us to perish because of it. Uh, There are two main parts of the passage. The the first is uh, verses 15 to 20 which shows us the danger of unrepentant sin. And the second part of the passage is verses 21 to 36, which shows us the danger of an unmerciful heart. So let's see what uh, Jesus has to say to us. And this first section shows us the danger of unrepentant sin. That's the problem in these verses. Someone is sinning in some way but hasn't acknowledged their sin or made any attempt to turn from it. It doesn't say what the sin is, but it is sin. It's not something trivial. If you ever find a Christian brother or sister in this position, the first thing to do is to go and show them their sin. And this can be hard to do for a couple of reasons. We can have the wrong motives for pointing out the sin of others, and we can do it in a a prideful or unloving way, be a bit legalistic, uh, lack grace or kindness. Or we can remain silent, and shy away from saying anything. We tell ourselves that it's, it's not our place to say anything. We try and avoid more conflict than there already is. We think of the, the short-term consequences, but we forget about the eternal significance of failing to address sin. And I think uh, remaining silent is a, a bigger problem these days. 
And sadly, when, when sin fails to be addressed, the consequences down the line can be absolutely disastrous. And we hear about it from time to time. Patterns of sinful behaviour left unchecked, ending up in, in people falling away from the faith. It's on the news. There are, there are podcasts dedicated to it. The damage can be irreversible. Jesus says, show your brother or sister their fault. And by addressing sin, we, we recognise its seriousness and we remember God's desire for his sheep. And it takes courage to do it, doesn't it? But it also takes wisdom, uh, prayerfulness. And so we, we go and show our brother and sister how they've sinned. We don't go to others to, to shame them. We go to them. And the hope is they, they listen to us and we win them over. Uh, and then that's that. That would be the ideal result. Uh, but Jesus knows people. See, if the person doesn't listen to you, your responsibility to them isn't over. Jesus says, take one or two others along with you so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And he's quoting uh, a passage in the Bible, Deuteronomy 19 there. And in this passage, it's like a judicial trial. There's a couple of views around whether these witnesses actually saw the person sinning or, or whether they're just there uh, to see the discussion that now takes place. So the one or two witnesses may have seen this in themselves. In Deuteronomy 19, that was to guard against false accusations being made. But in this passage, I think they're there to help the person also see the seriousness of the situation, of their sin. Because whether they witnessed it or not, the goal is still that they come to recognise their sin and repent. Now, if this next step fails, then things get much more serious. The next step is to tell the church. Now, this might be from up the front, but not necessarily. Uh, and again, the, the hope is that this escalation will help the person to recognise their error, that they would listen to all those now involved, see their sin, come to their senses and repent of it. Uh, and I must admit, it's not something I've, I've seen done very often. Uh, and I think in some ways that's a good thing, that things get resolved in a way that doesn't cause unnecessary shame or humiliation. But there's definitely a time and a place for the church to be informed. If it comes to the stage where uh, they, don't, they won't even listen to the church, they are to be treated as pagans and tax collectors. Treat them like they work for the IRD. No. Uh, to be a, a pagan or a tax collector at the time represented uh, people who intentionally went against God and his people. So in other words, they're to be treated like non-believers. But they're not uh, someone who, but this is not someone who's beyond the reach of God's mercy. And Jesus often makes this point of reaching out to people like these. The hope is still that they might return. But this action signals this, this break in the relationship. And this is a, an incredibly sad situation if it, if it does ever occur. But it's also a, a necessary step. See, it's better for this to happen and a person to come to their senses and, and see their sin than for a person to carry on an unrepentant sin as if it doesn't matter to God. Now, it may seem excessive, but only if we fail to see how God views our sin. If we forget God's character, a holy and just God who is utterly opposed to sin. And so God approves of this process 
Uh, The words of verse 18 are very similar to the words Jesus spoke to Peter uh, a couple of chapters ago. And that was when he gave him authority to declare to the church that uh, what was allowed by God and what wasn't allowed. And in this passage, God is, is giving authority to all the disciples. That's uh, you, the you there is a, a plural. It's y'all uh, or, or yous. Maybe, maybe not that one. Uh, but in the context, Jesus seems to be saying the church is, is to be involved in this process. There's a consensus the authority is given to the whole of God's community. And I take it that means that we, we, recognize, uh, we need to recognize the authority God has given to us. We are to declare what God has said about a brother or sister who is unrepentant in their sin. Uh, verse 19 is a picture of prayerfulness for the person who has sinned. We're, we're to commit them to God in prayer, particularly in a situation such as this. And verse 20 assures us of Jesus' Jesus's presence with his people as we bring our requests to him. So that's the danger of unrepentant sin. It affects the whole church. This brother or sister will stray from the flock. And we counter that danger, firstly, by, by going, them, going to them and pointing out their sin, or worst case, by treating them uh, as an unbeliever who needs the gospel. But always in the hope that they won't be lost for eternity. So how will you respond when a a brother or sister sins against you? For some of you, this might be something that you're working through at the moment. Uh, I hope that we'll be gracious, uh, and I also hope that we'll share God's desire for this person to be restored. Now, if we're the ones who are actually caught in the sin, I hope we'll be humble enough to listen uh, and to repent, to see the intention Uh, of this is love. Now, if by God's grace they they do come to see their sin and turn from it, then that's where we need to be prepared to forgive them. It's a step towards being reconciled with them. And that leads to the second part of the passage, the danger of an unmerciful heart. And once again, uh, it's our old friend Peter who's got another question for Jesus. Uh, And it seems like a question that's born out of frustration. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Uh, He seems to be asking about a person who acknowledges their sin and comes and asks for forgiveness. And I think Peter thinks he's he's actually being quite generous here. Seven times. Uh, I I probably think that's quite generous as well. Uh, That's a lot of times to forgive someone. Uh, Apparently in Jewish culture, uh, they had an understanding that forgiving someone three times showed a forgiving spirit. But beyond that, you didn't have to. Uh, I wonder what that number might be in our day and age. Probably a bit lower. People cut relationships for for a lot less these days. Peter wants to know, where do you draw the line? Uh, At what point do you just say, enough is enough? And we'd, we'd probably love to know that as well. Well, Jesus replies, and Peter's estimate is way off the mark. Uh, His answer says 77 times, or or some versions, you might see a little note in the Bible, uh, 70 times 7, which is uh, a lot of times. (laughs) And the the original wording uh, could mean either. Jesus' point is that our willingness to forgive should be excessive, uh, and he uses this parable to explain why. It's a story about a king who wants to settle his accounts. People owe him all sorts of money, and he's decided that it's time to collect. 
and he comes across a man who owes him 10,000 talents. Now, one talent was, was a small fortune back then. 10,000 means that this man hasn't got a hope in the world of, of paying back what he owes. And so the master decides that the only way for him to salvage anything from this man is to sell him and his family into slavery. Now the servant hears this and he throws himself on his knees and he begs for mercy. Be patient with me. I will pay everything back, uh, which is almost impossible. It's, it's far too much. But he's desperate and so he pleads. Uh, there's a lot of money on the line. It's, it's a huge debt. But for some reason, the, the master decides to take pity on him. He shows him compassion. And it leads to him cancelling the debt on the spot. How do you think the servant would have felt? Uh, imagine you're chatting to a, a good friend after the service. Let's call him Jay. Uh, and you have uh, a lot of debt. You've got a, a student loan, the credit cards, the mortgage, uh, the car repayment, school fees. And he says to you, I'm going to cover all your debts. And then he does it. They disappear just like that. And you walk off debt free. How, how incredible would that be? What a guy. Uh, Jay, Jay will be here after the service if anyone wants to <laughs> chat to him. But as incredible as it would be, it still wouldn't compare to this servant's debt. It's really interesting that, that the word for cancel uh, also means forgive. So you could say the master forgave him the debt. Well, the most surprising part, I think, of this whole passage comes immediately after this because in light of this man's newfound freedom, he goes out and he finds one of his fellow servants who owes him a hundred denarii. Now just let me compare the two debts for you. Uh, 10,000 talents and 100 denarii. People estimate that uh, the talents are worth 600,000 times more. So the 100 denarii is, is basically nothing in comparison. But this servant grabs a man by the throat and he starts choking him. Pay back what you owe me. And of course the, the man isn't able to, so he falls at the servant's feet and he begs for mercy. Be patient with me, I will pay you back. Sounds familiar. But the servant refuses and has his fellow servant thrown into prison until he can pay the debt. Now the other servants have noticed what's happened and they see how outrageous this situation is. And we also see how, how ridiculous it is. Well, word gets back to the master and he calls in the servant and he just can't believe what this guy's done, how unmerciful he is. And without another word, he turns the servant over to be tortured until the debt is paid. Uh, and in verse 35, we see Jesus' message behind the parable. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. See, that's the danger of an unmerciful heart. Most of us, I think, uh, know that we should be forgiving. We just struggle to actually do it. And I think the, the reason is because it costs us. Like the master in the parable, we're the ones who are cancelling or, or forgiving the debt. It was C.S. Lewis who said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a great idea until they have something to forgive. See, when someone sins against us, it can be incredibly hurtful. And if they come to us and, and ask for forgiveness then we're the ones who end up bearing the debt. And sometimes we won't want to forgive a person. 
will want to remind them of what they've done, what they've done, and and use it as ammunition against them. We we end up wanting justice. What we need to remember is the cost that our forgiveness came at. Think about the two debts in this parable. One was far, far greater. There was no hope of covering it. And it's a picture of the debt that we owe our God. Because the only way we could pay the debt we owe for our sin is is with our life. But instead, God cancels our debt. And the way he does it is by giving up his only son. That's what our forgiveness costs. And that's what he was willing to do for us. See, forgiveness isn't something that we just imitate. Forgiveness is something that we experience. And when we truly experience the forgiveness of God in our hearts, it's going to change the way that we treat others. It allows us to be merciful to others because we realize it's a much smaller price to pay than what Christ paid for us. That doesn't mean forgiving people won't be easy. It will be easy. The cost is is going to hurt us at times. And some of you here will, will know that all too well. But it's the right thing to do. Let me ask you, are there people in your life who you are withholding forgiveness from? Perhaps in your marriage, in friendships, brothers or sisters here at church. If we're struggling to forgive people who have asked for our forgiveness, uh, then we need to remember the mercy that we have been shown. Open up God's word. It's, it's great at giving us an accurate assessment uh, of what we're truly like. Ask God to help you work through why it is you're struggling to do what he wants in this area. Ask him for discernment. Ask him to help, help you understand how much you have been forgiven. Uh, often we, we pray the Lord's Prayer together here. And in it we say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I pray that by God's grace we would live these words as, as hard as it might be. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So there we are, two, two dangers that Jesus shows his disciples. Unrepentant sin and an unmerciful heart. Both can damage the way that we relate to one another. Both can lead to separation from God. Uh, So I pray that we would prayerfully and graciously heed these warnings uh, when someone sins against us. So let me pray for that now. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the price that Christ paid in laying down his life for our sake, that we might be forgiven. And we ask for your help uh, when a Christian brother or sister sins against us. Help us desire their restoration. Help us respond mercifully to others so that your name might be honoured. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joel, thanks so much. Uh, Isn't it wonderful and uh, joyful to be reminded of Christ's 
death for us, the infinite price that he paid to cover the debt of our sin. And isn't it wonderful also to remember that that act and that message doesn't just restore our relationship with God, but it also gives us the resources that we need to see our own relationships with one another be restored when that's what we need. We're going to sing about that in our final song now. Uh, There's just a wonderful line in this song, uh, which I think captures so much of what we've heard and been thinking about this morning. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Let's stand and we'll sing that together.
Please be seated. Uh, we're just uh, at the end of our formal time together. Uh, just a couple of things before we uh, finish up. Um, I've just been asked to remind you again that we do need to clear the building nice and quickly. If you've got a mask, if you could pop it on as you're heading out, that would be great. And there are still restrictions on the outdoor gatherings of 100 people and between us and others out there, there's probably more than 100 of us around. So just as you're chatting outside, bear that in mind with things like distancing and things like that. But at the same time, please feel free to stay and have a chat and enjoy each other's company outside. I thought I'd also just mention, um, if you're a regular at St Stephen's, you might have noticed that we didn't collect an offertory in any of our songs. Uh, that's just something we've decided to do during Level 2. But there is a box at the back if you would like to uh, give for the ministry of the church and beyond. Um, you could pop something in there and there's other ways during the week uh, that you can give if that's what you would like to do. As we finish, uh, let's just bow our heads in prayer one more time. Let's pray. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Father, we praise you for those words and we praise you for what you've done to make them true to bring us the forgiveness that we need in the death of your son and that he's paid the infinite price that we couldn't pay for ourselves. And we pray, Father, that everybody here would know that forgiveness and would take that offer of forgiveness that Jesus brings. And we pray that that would then filter down into all of our relationships and all of our lives so that we might be forgiving people, forgiving one another just as you've forgiven us in Christ. We pray that your spirit would enable us to do this. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, thank you for uh, coming this morning or watching this morning, as the case may be. And go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Go in the name of Christ.